Welcome back to The Graveyard Shift. I'm James Pugh. I'm Dave Burrows. Now, there's a lot of excitement in the office today around today's guest. He's a man who has been involved in the comic industry for over 25 years, and his name has been seen by millions of TV viewers around the world thanks to his best-known work, the post-apocalyptic comic series The Walking Dead, which became a hit TV series spawning new spin-offs. It's a warm welcome to Shropshire-born international comic artist, Charlie Adlard. Welcome. Wow, what an introduction. Uh, <laughs> we've given you the biggest build-up of yeah. any guest. I think that was probably the biggest intro. <laughs> it's we've all downhill from It's yeah. all downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, we're not going to start by talking about uh, The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, yeah, the first sort of thing we wanted to ask you, um, is there still some snobbery around comic books um, that are neither sort of seen as literature or art, would you say? Of course, we live in the UK. It's as simple as that. Great right right answer. Right. Where comics have always universally been regarded as for kids, mm. um, which is no bad thing because sometimes I wish that attitude pervades the industry a bit more. Um, so, you know, there's, but there's always a balance. You know, we're not in Japan, we're not in France. That's, that's the problem. If I want to go and be respected, that's where I'll go. <laughs> uh, if I want to be, you know, disrespected, I'll stay I'll st- here or go to the States. Uh, unfortunately, that's where all my work is. So, <laughs> hey-ho. Well, actually, no, I work for France a lot, actually. So uh, where they call comics the ninth art. Oh, so it's that art. respected over there. Yeah. Wow. Bon Désigné, as it's called. So what? What? why then, I guess, did you decide to stay in the UK if the UK still has this snobbery about what you do for a living? Well, you know, I'm I'm born and bred in Britain. It's kind of, you know, as much as as much as say somewhere like France is appealing comics wise, I don't think it's particularly appealing life wise to me personally, mainly because of the language barrier. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's why I've decided to decide it. That's why I've just sort of ended up where I am. Yeah, it's as simple as that. I mean, you know, nowadays and today's you know, sort of digital age, it doesn't really matter where you live doing what I do. I could live in the, you know, the Arctic so long as I've got course, a yeah. decent Wi-Fi connection. But was that different when, when you were starting out with, with work? Very being... much so. Oh, yeah. So yeah. How, did, how did you make that work? Uh, the post. <laughs> <laughs> Again, simple as that. You know, you just took a risk with the post every time. I mean, when I first started out, which was working for... Uh, the Judge Dread magazine, which was an offshoot of 2000 AD, the British comic, famous British comic, um, I would literally go down to London every couple of weeks armed with a bunch of pages because I didn't trust the post, you know, and because I was working on that all the time, um, you, you kind of thought inevitably at some point something's going to get lost. So I didn't want to take that risk. And then, yeah, as I started, obviously I couldn't really you know, personally deliver artwork to America. So I had to sort of obviously take take a risk with the post. But then you you take a risk with a sort of higher-end courier. You don't, you know, like, you know, well, you, we know all the courier, big couriers and, you know, touch whatever. I never lost a single, you know, page. And then obviously as soon as I got computers and scanners, et cetera, et cetera, there was no need to ever send artwork ever again. Have you done any travelling, though, 
you know, you said there wasn't particularly need for you, but, you know, how often have you been over to the States? Oh, I've lost count how many times yeah. I've been to the States. Um, pri- like I say, primarily because for the majority of my career, that's where most of my work came from. Yeah. So you, probably pre-pandemic, I was probably going uh, at the height probably two or three times a year to the States. Yeah. And then four or five times to Europe or whatever. You know, I used to sort of say, I'll do a couple of long hauls and then a series of European dates or whatever. That that would tend to be my uh, my sort of arc every year. Yeah. Um, and what was it? Was that for creative meetings or? Well, it became, at the beginning of my career, it was I, I used the excuse because it was all tax deductible, obviously, <laughs> um, as, as, you know, some sort of schmoozing exercise, you know, sort of networking getting work you know i used to go to san diego which is the biggest of course of, you know american comic book show in in the u.s uh i used to go there every year for a period of time regularly um yeah and then it died off when especially when the walking dead happened yeah you didn't feel the need to sort of schmooze and get the work you know i was all right thank you very much <laughs> so yeah it it but I, I'd go back then as guests, you know, so it sort of morphed into instead of, you know, paying for your flight, people were paying for your flight. Uh, so I'd still go, you know, you get numerous invites and you just pick, pick. I was lucky. I could pick by the, you know, sort of the last sort of 10 years of The Walking Dead, you know, I could pick or choose where I wanted to go. Um, so I've been to some exciting places in you know not just in the states but you know i've been to brazil i've been to barbados nice uh, for uh, for a show uh japan um philippines you know i've been i've been in quite a few exciting places all of which i thought oh i quite fancy that yeah. you know and uh, yeah you go there and then you fancy it, then you spend the majority of your time stuck in a big <laughs> convention yeah, yeah. not seeing the country yeah, yeah exactly yeah of course. So you, you sort of talked about how the technology's obviously made you, made it all easier now. I suppose that, that naturally brings us on to um, the hot topic of AI. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know we're, we're covering everything. We're covering everything. Wow, um, okay. what's, your, what's your view of that? Is, it, is that something that, that you think can be used to enhance what you're doing and what the comic industry is doing? Or is it a threat to... to Jobs like yours where, where images can be created by... It probably will be a threat. I think I've got to an age, I'm 56 now, so I'm sort of... You're not. I am, yes. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> well, you mean I look 55? You don't look a day over 42. <laughs> so I'm long in the tooth enough to think, well, if it's going to be a threat, personally speaking, it's not really going to impact on myself. Uh I worry for the next sort of generation of people, um, especially, again, especially in a country like ours, which would probably quite, because there is a, we, well, let's, let's call a spade a spade, a disrespect for comics in general. Um, people really wouldn't care, especially sort of more kiddie comics, uh, where really the artwork isn't such a big thing, yeah. um, or the writing even, you know, so long as you toddlers getting their fix of, whether it's Thomas or Tank Engine or whatever, yeah, you know, sure. whether it's produced by a computer or by human hand, it's almost irrelevant. So I think that's part of the industry that's going to fall first. Uh, people, well, people that don't really care. Yeah. Um, 
I think people that buy comics or any form of art specifically for an artist or for how they perceive their art form to look, I think it'll be a harder sell to those people. But of course, that's a very niche part of any industry of course, yeah, is yeah. people that are concerned. I mean, the good thing about comics is it is very much creator-led, a lot of it still. So mm. the majority of readers now still read stuff that's because such and such has written it or such and such has drawn it. And for AI to replicate that, I think, would be tricky, you know, to replicate that human, that, yeah. that very... It's that 5%, isn't it? I mean, I know I know the controversy, isn't it, um, the latest Marvel series? Um, yes. Infinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Infinity War. <sighs> Secret, secret not secret wars. Secret, secret invasion. Oh, secret, invasion. Secret, secret invasion. Bloody invasion. That's right. God. I can already um, hear their comments yeah. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> We've done oh, that on purpose. <laughs> let's mix up Star Trek and Star Wars yeah, well, next and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, well, I, I made these mistakes. Let's face it. You know, it's all becoming a bit. Yeah, it's all becoming a bit all the same. Oh, controversy. Ooh, what? But, yes, <laughs> Marvel's all the same. <laughs> um, but yeah, the controversy over that. Yes, because the intro is is, is apparently AI generated. But I was sat there, first time I saw that, yeah, because I've been watching it, and the first time I saw that title sequence, I immediately went, oh, that's obviously CGI digital. I didn't know it was AI, but it was all irrelevant to me in terms of it's still digitally created. It's still, I could tell that wasn't done by the human hand. I could, it might have been, there might have been a bit, the odd con- bit of conception yeah, sure. done by human yeah. hand, but I could tell that post that it was obviously hmm. um, generated within a computer. So, what about other things? That, is it obvious? Because obviously, with your career, is it obvious to you what is done by the human hand? Um, we well, see. I work digitally a lot now as well. Yeah. Um, but that's still physically touching a yeah yeah a graphics tablet. Yeah. I'm still you know. I'm just using the tools to suit my style. Um, I suppose the reverse is slowly going to start happening. Um, yeah, I think you can still. I mean, I can tell. The irony is a lot of us comics artists that work digitally, and at the minute I'm probably working 80% digitally now um, because it's just easier. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the irony is we all try and draw like we were drawing on paper digitally. So I don't know why some of us don't embrace the digitalness of it and not try and make it look like something else. Why are we all determined to make it look like as if we're drawing on paper? If that's the case, why don't we all go back to drawing drawing on paper? It's as simple as that. So I'm trying to sort of take those ideas on board as well. Um, but still try and make it look my own, look look like my own thing. So I'd say nine times out of ten, I can look at something and go, yeah, there's always traces of something yeah. that somebody's done. You go, oh yeah, that's done on a computer. I mean, it's damn clever now what you can do because I've got the, yeah, I've got this big Cintiq, which is a large, basically a large graphics tablet which you draw directly on. So it's like a big drawing board. Yeah. Um, and it's so intuitive, it's kind of crazy. But at the same time, uh, I don't know if people look at my work and go, oh, yeah, he's done that digitally, and oh, he's drawn that for real, you know, so. 
Right. It's, <laughs> it's time. This is where this is where Jack is going to shine. Yeah, we're going to start talking about the Walking Ooh. Dead. <laughs> Wait, so am I? Am I the? Am I the color black then, or the color blue? You can ask whatever you want, Jack. Yeah. I told you, don't. Stick You're to the, the big fan in the room. Don't stick to the script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just giving away the magic there. I know. I know. No, I know. <laughs> is, is, this, is this? Is this my question? Is this my question? Is this my question here? <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, God, I think that the one question, I've been telling these guys this question all week since <laughs> we were doing this. But yeah, no, Daryl Dukeson isn't in the comic books, no. but he's in the show. Well, there's plenty and of he... other characters that are in just the show that aren't in the comic books as oh, well. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's not just Daryl, but he's the most popular. Well, that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to ask, because I know everybody watching this will probably be the same. Like, what do you think about the, like, the just explosion and like popularity of that character oh, just him. out um, of nowhere <laughs> like, oh, him. Oh, oh him <laughs> uh, oh I, I really don't care so long as I'm getting money from it I don't care uh, <laughs> um, it's fine I recognise the fact that TV is a different medium to comic books they're very similar but they're also very different yeah that's why TV is TV and comics is comics and that's why you know yeah. they haven't merged into one giant medium um, so I recognise the fact that they have they felt the need to sort of almost have their own identity as a TV show um I mean, it's great that he's become almost one of the most popular, well, probably the most popular character in the TV show. Yeah. Um, it's fine. <laughs> I, I really, you know, I, uh, you know, there are the problem with the T, the problem with TV as opposed to comics is we could tell 193 issues, 16 years worth of storytelling, mm. and we didn't have to, for instance, age Carl the. Yeah, the sort of, no, of course, uh, yeah, yeah, son of yeah. Rick, uh, the main character. Um, we could age him however we pleased. Um, whereas, obviously, in the TV show, every year that goes past, every season, he ages one whole year. Mm. And when he started off, he was, I don't know, he was a 10, 11-year-old. So, of course, by the end of the show, he's a fully formed teenager. Yeah. So the storyline has to adapt. But the storyline of the TV show is, is only a couple of years have passed through the whole thing. So... You know, there's there's sort of obvious limitations on things like that. There's obvious limitations on stars with egos. There's obviously limitations <laughs> on contracts, things like that. You know, if you get really big, your contract is going to change after yeah. after it runs out and you're going to demand more money, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously Robert Kirkman, the writer, and myself didn't have that problem. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, we could just do what we wanted. I mean, the... The big difference between the TV show, I think, and the in the comic is is the end, um, because at the end of the book, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. we uh, we jump twenty years. Obviously, the TV show didn't do that at all. It almost couldn't. Um, and the the other thing is, the characters in our book are almost all completely different by that time, yeah. as opposed to they are in the TV show. Because as I've just described, there's certain other elements with television or film that are going to play into it and uh, which i felt which was for me probably the biggest disappointment but at, at the end of the day fine it's its own beast and, and yeah, do you think maybe because obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously there's the spin-offs yeah now 
already on and I've coming. Not seen a single thing. Have you not seen any of them? them? No, no. But do you think that's like that? That's part of the reason why they deviated so much from the end that they'd already got their eye on. Okay, we can spin off with this character. We can spin off with this character. We can spin off with. This well, character. yes, it's all hypothesising <coughs> on my part. This, uh, but probably yes. Um, they just want to milk it as much as possible, which you know I think will eventually dilute the brand. I think it's already diluted completely. Um, I can say it's because I'm not involved with it at all now anymore. <laughs> so I can slag it off for once. <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's typical Hollywood, isn't it? Um, well, there's some Hollywood stuff where you just think, oh, well done. You know, you look at something like, I don't know, Breaking Bad or something like that. It does its does its thing, comes, does it, always has an ending in sight, does the end, that's it, no more, you know, and then does a spin-off. But the spin-offs arguably as good as the um yeah, the original series. Yeah. And again, finishes the end. Whereas, you know, The Walking Dead is a bit like now we've got how many however many, you know, spin-offs plus plans to do other things with other characters. Yeah, just thinking, doing a movie oh, with Rick, I well, think, allegedly, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been on ice so, for yeah. four years. I so think. you just think, oh, really? You know, is is there still an appetite for this? I think it is ever diminishing circles of profit i think every single spin-off will be less i think yeah well received less yeah. successful until literally it makes no money and they decide to stop it that's why robert and i wanted to finish the book on a high we didn't want to be in that situation where uh we would you know just keep drawing it and writing it until no one cared anymore and then one issue came out and then just another issue just never came yeah. out yeah. No one noticed, and it never had an end. That that would be the worst way to finish yeah, it. Yeah. So, and was we, there was that always mapped out from the start? Was was the was the conclusion of the comic book always sort of there? And it was just how you got to that yeah, point. Well, or? Robert always had an arc, whether in his head right from the beginning. Now, whether he could complete that was obviously dependent on the success of the book. He was never sure how many issues it would take, you know, and thankfully when we got together, he knew I was on board for the the whole thing. So that was good. So we just carried on saying to each other, yeah, this will go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, eventually I went, ha, ha, no, hang on. This is, this is, <laughs> I can't be, I can't be seen, I can't see myself doing this another 20 years hence. So funnily enough, I remember talking to Robert about it and saying, I think we really do need to find, you know, work out uh, an end point. And uh, this is about four years before the, we did finish it. And the funny thing was, he was thinking exactly the same thing because he'd never told me the whole sort of plot in his head. Um, well, he had, but he told me that ages ago. <laughs> yeah. And it was completely different to how it worked out. You know, funnily enough, because obviously as a writer, these things are going to morph yeah, and change yeah. and everything. So, um, you know, when he would tell me long-term plans, I'd always take it with a pinch of salt because I think, yeah, bloody writers, they're, <laughs> they're just going to change us. You yeah. know? Go, oh, really? That's going to happen, is it? Well, well, let's wait and see. <laughs> so, but yeah, the one thing we did decide on was to call it quits around about the issue we, we finished on because it just... Fitted in, I know it sounds ridiculous, but it made basically the collections of The Walking Dead to end on a weird number like 193 basically meant that we could get what we call the four compendiums out of it, which was these mm. massive brick 
48-issue collections. I know that's 192, but we did a little <laughs> special, which was the 20-year jump, which was 193, which has ended up sort of adding into the compendium number four. So instead of going to 200, which would be for the monthlies a nice kind of yeah. round number, it makes sense to finish on four compendiums, however many, 32 or whatever, I don't remember, six-issue collections. You could do the 12-issue collections, the 24-issue collections. It all made sort of sense in terms of collections. So the, the people, and I will lump myself in with these people, the people that like their nice, finite, big collections all displayed, it works perfectly for those <laughs> Myself included. Yeah. <laughs> what was the reaction from everybody when you like were saying, yeah, we're actually going well, we to it? Were they just like disbelief or Well, it was a bit because we kept yeah. it secret. It was right. it was we had to not talk about it for four years. I mean, it was easy enough not to talk about it for the first, shall we say, three years, because yeah. it still felt like a, this kind of so far in the distance. Yeah, yeah. It was almost, yeah, surreal. The closer we got, um, it was funny because I remember us having a chat once and we both admitted we'd told about six or seven people <laughs> after, after saying, we're not going to say anything to anyone, you know, uh, on pain of death, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. But um, we had actually told. But thankfully, everyone had remained stum about it, which is great. Um, and we even went to the length, uh, which was unheard of in, in our industry, um, of actually doing some false covers for next for the next three issues post one nine three right because the way our the american industry works is there's a sort of a catalog called previews at the time anyway but you had to have your cover in three months before oh, right. to, to advertise yep. for yeah because it's monthly you know deal uh, um retailers and everything have to you know buy this you know buy this stuff in advance, et cetera, et cetera. So they needed to see. So we thought, well, it's going to be the world's worst kept secret if suddenly The Walking Dead doesn't appear in the next, after mm. 193, they'll be thinking, oh, is it finished? You know, even though they haven't announced anything. Mm. And we were as regular as clockwork for 16 years. We did it month after month after month. So for it not to appear, yeah. I think if we'd have been a bit more sporadic, it wouldn't have been such an issue. But because, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd done it so regularly, it not appearing. So I actually did three false covers <laughs> to pretend that it was going to carry on yeah. after 193. So, of course, when it did eventually come out, um, it was 98% of people were taken by surprise. Yeah. There's that 2% That's because retailers will get these issues, obviously, prior to them going out. Mm. So everyone was under, you know, strict instructions not to say anything. You can't legally stop them from saying yeah. something. So... They really wanted to spoil the, the whole game. They could have easily gone online and said, "Oh my God, it's ended!" You know, but thankfully, everyone just complied, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, so, so it was a genuine shock. Yeah. yeah. So just take sorry, just yeah. take, take us all the way back. How did how did your involvement with The Walking Dead begin? Um, I just knew Robert um, prior. As I said, I used to go to San Diego every year at that point. And then I was still in the sort of going half profession and half sort of with the need to network because prior to The Walking Dead, even though I'd been sort of, you know, a professional comic book artist for over 10 years prior to The Walking Dead, 
I was sort of, I suppose, a bit of a journeyman artist. Mm. I was still just taking whatever job came because, you know, you, you just take whatever's paying the bills. And um, so, you know, I was always very, you know, very keen on meeting as many people as possible because, you know, in, in any freelance industry, the more people you know, as I'm sure of you course, guys yeah, know, yeah. the more people you know, the more chance you have in, you know, getting something somewhere. Yeah, so you're trying to make yourself memorable. You're trying to make yourself, you know, known throughout the industry. So I just a, a mutual friend introduced me to Robert at the time. And um, I don't know how many people out there know, but I didn't draw the first six issues of The Walking Dead. It was drawn by another artist called Tony Moore, who... who we don't was... talk about. <laughs> <laughs> We're well, already coming this far. Yeah. Whatever happened to Tony Moore, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he was a childhood sort of friend of Robert's and they came from the sort of same part, obviously same part of America, Kentucky. Um, and, yeah, they'd worked together on other things before... But Tony just couldn't do the amount of work required because he was sort of, well, The Walking Dead was a black and white book, but he was called what they call grey toning it, which is basically just putting a grey, well, a grey tone on it just to make it not so black and white. I know it sounds crazy, but it, 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 it just... <laughs> In the American industry, it, cheap, it makes it look less cheap, inverted commas, if there's a grey tone on it as okay. opposed to just pure black and white. I, I venomously disagree with that idea myself, but that's the nature of the, you know, people perceive things in colour to be more worthy, more expensive, I don't know, than, than stuff in black and white, which, yeah, hey-ho, well, I think it's a stylistic choice personally. Yeah. But anyway, um, he couldn't do the whole pencil ink um gray toning so he he was looking for a way out so robert just he'd met me a few times knew i was fast which was quite a <laughs> an advantage advantage um and just emailed me one day it's as simple as that and he just caught me in between jobs i know yeah. it's it so as you've been doing it, something else you might have had to say absolutely if i was you know i was still of the mindset at the time that working for Marvel or DC or any of the big sort of publishers doing their characters and being paid a page rate was the way to go mm. and just to get big in that sort of area of the industry. Of course, doing The Walking Dead has completely changed my uh, <laughs> view on that and now I'm the advocate for the opposite. But at the time, that's how I saw it. And, of course, yeah, so if I was working on something, I'd have just gone, nah, it's all right. You, you carry on with your silly little zombie thing somewhere else. <laughs> and I'll carry on doing this massive, you know, big <laughs> character and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just incredible good luck. Absolutely. You said you were fast. How quick did it take you to do an edition? Uh, like, go well, it- <laughs> <laughs> Um. I'm not as fast as I used to be, that's for sure. <laughs> um, at my fastest, I could probably, I was knocking out an issue every three weeks. So 22 pages with a cover. Um, I would say they were brilliantly drawn, but um, yeah, I, I, that, that's just, that, that was just how I, how I worked. That was my natural rhythm. Um, I, I think, um, 
I mean, I'm very, I am very disciplined at home. I'm very organized. I'm very disciplined. I'm almost to the point of slight OCD-ness, probably. You know, I'm very tidy. I'm very kind of routine. I like my routine. So all this plays perfectly into being a freelance person, I think, um, because I'm good at that, just getting on with the job. Um, and they also, uh, they all, they all, also, it said, if you want something done, give it to a busy person, you know? Yeah. And I totally agree with that because if you're busy, you organize your time well. So they, you can always take something else on because you can just manage to squeeze it in somewhere in your highly arranged sort of <laughs> life. So, um, yeah, I, I'm one of those people. So, yeah. So I could actually do the walking dead. You know, I said we did it regular as clockwork month after month. I mean, there were times when we were a couple of issues ahead because we, I, I would say, I'm going on holiday on such and such a date. Um, so get some more scripts written so we can get ahead so we didn't ha have to postpone an issue because somebody's yeah. gone on holiday, you know. Because um, it's easy for a writer because <laughs> they can work anywhere, yeah, of course, you yeah, know, yeah. They, yeah. as long as they got a laptop. For an artist, and I was doing The Walking Dead, you know, saying 80% of my work is digital now, all my Walking Dead stuff was drawn, still drawn on a drawing board with pen and paper. Um, and, and I could have converted to digital about sort of three quarters of the way into it when I'd got all my gear for, for drawing digitally. But I just felt like, no, no, I want to, yeah, this goes into my slight OCD brain. You know, it's like, no, no, The Walking Dead started off as original yeah. art. It's going to end with original art. So the whole thing was just drawn on pen and paper. So, um, yeah, so that was, so, yeah, yeah, so I could... Could actually even fit in other projects. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Listen, going back now, now I'm struggling to do one project. And, <laughs> life seems to have gotten in the way more um, of late. It but, does. Yeah. It does. Have, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've touched on uh, on you've talked about Marvel, and you've just said about doing other projects. So, so obviously, a lot of people know The Walking Dead. What are, what other projects have you worked on? Tell us a bit about about that. Oh, well, I mean, I've done. Um, in terms of stuff for other people instead of other characters, I've done quite a lot of, you know, I've worked for both DC and Marvel, not on any big capacity, but I've dabbled in a bit of Batman, Superman, X-Men, Fantastic Four, did an issue of Spider-Man. I've got all that <laughs> under, my, under my wing, so to speak. But none of it was like major league sort of stuff in terms of I was never on a series which was kind of frustrating for someone that's as fast as me because I knew I could sure, do yeah, a yeah, series yeah. Mm. um everything was either a mini series or fill-ins or things like that I right early in my career I did uh I did a lot of licensed stuff when I first started uh well the first thing I ever drew was Judge Dredd weirdly the first ever professional mm. thing. And I came back to the, the good judge here and there in my career. Uh, so I did a quite a bit of work for 2000 in, in the days gone by. Um, I'd spent two years doing an X-Files comic book when that first started. So that was kind of the reverse of The Walking Dead almost. You're working on somebody else's thing, but it's like, you know, instead of, you know, instead of they be, you being in charge of, Every, the the universe, yeah. the universe is your part of the universe that 
they're in charge of sort of thing. Um, so I did a bit of that. Uh, yeah, and then then and then obviously uh, Walking Dead. Um, and post Walking Dead, all I've really been concentrating on is uh, not I wouldn't say personal projects, but projects that are all creator owned and and all you know sort of stuff I really want to do because the the brilliant advantage of The Walking Dead is it's certainly paid the bills, so I can <laughs> I can sit back and relax, well, not relax necessarily, but I can sit back and do what I want to yep. do, which is the biggest luxury I think I've been able to to say I've had because of The Walking Dead is I I literally, yeah, I can choose not to work or I can choose to work. I can choose to work on this as opposed to that, you know, and do work with people I want to work with, et cetera, et cetera, which has been fantastic. Yeah. So I've been, you know, since Walking Dead and that finished three years ago, last February, I think. So over three years ago now. Um, So yeah, I've been, I, 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 I work with a friend of mine called Robbie Morrison, uh, which hasn't actually even come out yet, called Heretic. It's finished, completely finished, um, but we're just sort of, for various reasons, waiting, wait, sitting on that one. Um, that was the first thing I did post-Walking Dead. Um, I was lucky with Robbie because we could... Robbie lives locally as well, and he wrote... He's written loads of stuff for 2000, and he's now a an acclaimed novelist as well. Oh. Uh, Yes. New podcast um, guest, James. Yes, yeah, there we is, go. Yeah. 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 Get, get him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, he's writing historical crime novels um, oh. set, in, um, set in Scotland in the sort of, I think, 20s or 30s. Like, oh, God, it sounds awful now because I can't <laughs> remember exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, anyway. You've read them then. Yes. I've got the book. <laughs> I haven't read it, though. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I did that. It was the first thing. But, again, the the... This shows how advantageous it was to having The Walking Dead on your belt. We basically did it sight unseen. We didn't even have a publisher at the time. We just worked on it mm. without, you know, just with the freedom of, you know, time. And that was a sort of basically that was through lockdown. Um, we we did that. Uh, since then, um, <laughs> the irony is the other two projects I've been working on after that have both or one's come out the other one's coming out in august so next month um obviously uh, and <laughs> depends um, when this goes out yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh yeah but all pre-heretic all these were done post-heretic one's called damn them all which is for america for a company called boom studios and that's a sort of a return to horror um <laughs> uh, written by a really good writer called Cy spurrier who's another brit um so that's all good fun. We've done the the first season, as they say, has come out, which is the first six issues, and I'm now working on the second season. Right. Um, and a real sort of uh, one, a real per- well, not a personal project because I've got no real personal connection. What's the a real passion project? Is a book for France. Uh, it's my third Bond designé because I've already done a couple of what they call albums. Um, because if you're familiar with Asterix or Tintin, mm, yeah, that's yeah. how yes, most yeah, French yeah, yeah. comic books are done. Yeah, yeah. So that sort of format. So I've done a couple pre this one, but I'm working on a well finished, and it's coming out next next uh, month called Altamont. Anyone heard of Altamont? No. Come on, Jack. Jackie, Jackie, let us down. Altamont, <laughs> Altamont <laughs> was a. Uh, 
a racetrack just outside of San Francisco, uh, and it was the scene of one of the biggest free concert disasters ever staged, and it was staged by the Rolling Stones back in 1969. Um, and it was famous. It's famous for having a, I'll say this with heavy inverted commas, a murder, um, because uh, the guy that did the murder was acquitted in the end. Um, but um, it was, it, it, that and the Manson murders are cited as being the end of the 60s hippie sort of dream. Mm. Um, so Altamont was meant to be this, the Rolling Stones answer to Woodstock, so, but on the West Coast. So it had all the famous West Coast bands like Jefferson Airplane, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, um, Flying Burrito Brothers, bands like that, and the Stones were headlining. Um, and they made it a free concert, so there's over 200,000 people went to this. And it's in the sort of the waste, it's almost like, it looks like shrublands just outside of San Francisco, and it's this racetrack, like NASCAR-type racetrack sort of thing. Uh, so not the best, not the most picturesque spot, really. And, um, yeah, famously, they had Hell's Angels as security. Um, always, armed, a, always a good move. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah armed, great move. <laughs> armed with pool cues, mainly. Um, now, the murder, well, there, was, there were drug-related deaths as well, but the murder, inverted commas, um, was this guy that apparently, obviously, was high on something, was brandished a gun as the Stones were playing, and this Hell's Angel just basically took him out before he had the chance to do anything. So it looks, it's actually on film as well. Um, there's a really good documentary called Gimme Shelter, uh, all about this, all about the, the leading up to this moment. And there is a pervading feeling of darkness of something's going to happen at this, this show. You know, none of it's going right. I mean, when Jefferson Airplane play... Uh, the I can't remember which band member it is, but one of the band members gets hit, you know, on stage. But you, you, if you go pictures, I mean, the the stage is ludicrous. The t- stage ain't much higher than this table, so so you imagine right, two right hundred thousand yeah. yeah. people there, and it's not like you know you see all the festivals now where there's the stage and then there's security, a bit of grass, yeah. then Barriers there's the and, barrier, yeah, yeah. then there's the audience. This is literally people leaning with their arms on the stage. There's people on stage most of the time just <laughs> milling around. Yeah, the bands look really hemmed in and it, you, yeah, ju- yeah. you just think, God, this is a recipe for disaster, <laughs> you know, and it was. Which is true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Stones literally had to... to um, Grateful Dead were also playing, but they didn't even go on because they came in, saw the chaos and helicoptered straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, the irony, these great the great hippies of the you know, yeah. arrived on helicopter. You just think yeah. they should be arriving in some sort of, I don't know, well, not in a helicopter no, anyway. Horse drawn wagon or yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and um so anyway, so that's the back story. And I've always wanted to do um something about a, a, a something about music, a rock, you know, rock music or something. And, um, yeah, I it wasn't going to be a French comic book because obviously this is an American story. Uh, but I won't bore you with the details, but just talking to various writers, it suddenly became a French writer I got hooked up with who just got what I wanted mm. to do, which was right. basically not a story about Altamont, but a story about some other kids who go to Altamont and 
experience their own sort of heart of darkness sort of journey okay. through the through the festival. So half of it is a road trip there where things are starting to get, you know, darker as they get there. And then when they get there, things go really wrong. <laughs> so that's that's the story I want to tell with the background with that of backdrop of yeah, yeah with the backdrop of sort of music which I didn't really because music is very hard to sort of portray in comic books obviously mm. being a visual medium and obviously music not um, so I didn't want the music to be uh, front and center because it would make no sense yeah uh, so I wanted it to be in there but I wanted it to be as a background thing. Um, so yeah, so this guy called Herrick Hanna, who's the writer, just completely got it switched on. Uh, so we worked together. We worked for this big comic book company called Glenar, um, who were really willing to publish it. This, this again goes to show the difference between French comic books and American. We'd never, ever in a million years get something like that published by Marvel or DC, <laughs> which Glenar is sort of, shall we say, together with various other big publishers in France, the equivalent of in terms of size. Right, okay. So, you know, they're more willing to go out there and it's being published as this 120-page standalone hardcover book. And we're launching it at this thing called Cabaret Vert, which is you know, on the August the 20s, but the weekend of around about August the 21st, 22nd, something like whatever that weekend is, I can't remember. But um yeah, it's and it's a comics rock festival. Only only in France. Yeah. <laughs> but it's probably got super, something like that in Japan because super. that's so yeah, and it's a proper big it's a big festival. It's I don't I can't I don't I'm not I've been there before doing comics stuff, but I think um that's probably fifty, sixty thousand people at this festival. Hopefully the, without yeah. Hell's Angels on the game. Yeah. So yeah, so it's you know it's three three or four stages for bands. You know, it's a proper yeah. It's the size of I don't know. I can't think of a comparison. It's obviously not as big as Glastonbury. It's probably as big as say something. Probably I don't know how big Leeds or Reading would be. Anyway, halfway between big, Shrewsbury half, Folk Festival and yes, Glastonbury. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The stage but, is higher than this table this time as well. Yeah. <laughs> stage slightly higher, yeah. yeah, with security and a barrier, you know. But, yeah, but there's also a massive comics presence there. So there's the main stage, there's the arena where the main stage is, and then at the other end there's big signing booths, big signing tents. We're having an exhibition. We're launching it there. So they've got an exhibition plan. They've got, I think we're – I'm not sure if we're still doing this, but one one – Idea was literally me and the writer are going to sit in a an old VW van and sign that, <laughs> which would be cool because there is a the the, the guy the the all the characters get to Altamont mm. in a VW, in a VW van. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so excellent. so I'm not sure if that's still part of. Oh, the, you've got to make that happen. Thing. That sounds really cool. <laughs> so, but I just think the the amount of the amount of promotion they're putting into this thing for something that's really not commercial. Mm. You know, mm. uh, I mean, I've been. Talking at length, sorry, about this. That's cool. Everyone's going, tell us about Walking Dead. Going, now, now I've got to talk about Ultimate. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you said you, you started by saying this is a passion project. I mean, well, it's, it's, passion, it's coming across. I hope, it, I hope you can see this is, the, <laughs> this is the thing. And I mean, it's great when you meet people like Herrick. He's, 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 his stage name is, is Herrick. Actually, I called him Fred. So it's called him Fred. Um, <laughs> it's great meeting someone like Fred because we seem to 
I think out of all the writers I've known over the years, I think he he wants to write exactly what I want to draw and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Sorry, so we're Robert. already talking about another project after it. Um, and again, it's it's exactly what I want to draw. I mean, I always say I don't care what, you know, people always ask me, what do I, um, what would you like to draw? What would be your you know, ambition? What's your passion project sort of thing? And I say, I haven't got a passion project. You show me a good script, mm. a really good story, and I'll draw that because it's well-written. You know, it's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Um, so he just wrote this thing on spec for me, sent it me, and I was like, oh, this is good. You know, <laughs> oh, God, that's another two years of my life <laughs> now. <laughs> Going to be sucked up by, you know, sort of doing this other other project probably with, with him afterwards. And I said to him, I said, look, let's just, um, if he seems to, again, have the same attitude of let's just work on this, mm. you know, we'll if, if we don't sell it as a, as a project before we start working on it, it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy's written the script already <laughs> with on, like I say, on spec. Yeah, so he doesn't right. seem to be open. I think the French, the French seem to have a more, well, to use a coin the phrase, laissez-faire <laughs> attitude about doing stuff like that than than we do over here mm. or yeah. people in the States. You know, it, it it tends to be over here a bit more, well, I'm not going to do it unless I'm being paid. Um and, and I'm not denigrating that because at the end of the day, you know, if you're working on something that's going to take up two weeks of your time or however long it takes, yeah. you'd want to be paid yeah, for it. But again, you know, he did it off his own back without thinking of the money, which is very admirable. And I am only doing it because I don't have to. <laughs> so <laughs> money, no you know, I'm, I'm in that lucky position. So uh, yeah, yeah. So that that looks to be. The irony is people constantly come up to me now and go, ooh, you've vanished, haven't you? You've kind of gone, you know, what, what? you haven't worked on anything for ages since The Walking Dead. I go, no, I have. <laughs> you just haven't seen it, that's all. Yet. 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, you mentioned music. Um, is it true that you used to play drums for a rock band? Used to, I still do. Oh, you still do? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, research, yeah. James, research. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, no, I'm a drummer. I've, no. I've been in bands since I was 16. Literally, the first um, the first time I picked, I literally started playing drums and within a, a week I was in my friend's bedroom recording <clears throat> an album, <laughs> inverted commas, because basically that, Album was pressed, play and record on a tape recorder. You know, and I had the school drum kit, which I'd borrowed. Brilliant. Uh, Sounds like me in school as well. Yeah, it was like half terms. So I managed to I managed to persuade the music head of music to sort of you know borrow the kit for the for the educational reasons. Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah, do, yeah. do those tapes still exist? Are we are we going to see a, a Charlie Adnard album? At some those time? tapes still exist. Oh, there we go. We, they, yeah, I'm already. Well, literally, literally, we've just well ages ago we put them on CD, but uh, literally in the last couple of months, my friend who who asked me if I wanted to try out drumming and uh, and we still we're still good friends and we still play together Brilliant. occasionally um we uh I, I literally designed an album cover for every single yeah okay heavy and vertical <laughs> album we we did and there's quite a lot of them yeah <laughs> we were quite prolific 
So, well, you did say you weren't quickly, so you obviously that doesn't just apply to the to the, to the art. No, well, well, that was. I I wish we were slower personally, <laughs> uh, but my friend John, he he likes to just 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 churn through this stuff. But I've always been in original bands. I've never been in a covers. Well, the only covers band I was in was on my art foundation course, and uh, we formed a band for a year on that called the Magic Roundabout, and we just did Great. very 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 fast covers of various. Classics. <laughs> uh, when I was young and I could drum fast. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm still in a, I've been in a band called Cosmic Rays uh, since, I mean, there been various other bands prior to that, but I've been in Cosmic Rays uh, since 2008. Um, it's been a bit of a revolving door sort of policy of band members. Um <laughs> Me and the singer are pretty much the only, and he wasn't even the original singer. Uh, we had a singer originally for about eight months, something like that, before Shane, our singer, now joined. But he's the longest serving of the other. <laughs> You're like the drifters uh, of Shropshire. <laughs> yeah, and everyone else is getting younger. I'm the only really old one. <laughs> yeah, I am literally like the drifters. Yeah, the the, the token old bloke. Yeah, in the, in the back. Yeah, everyone else now in the band is in there. Annoyingly, one one guy just had his fortieth no, birthday, you and you just thought, "Oh, so young." You don't need that kind of negativity <laughs> around yeah. you, do you? It's like that with me here. <laughs> I'm saying nothing. No, 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 no you both keep, keep, keep quiet. Our, our youngest member is in his bloody th- thirty-two, and I'm thinking, "Oh, you're just how old so are you, Jack? Twenty-seven. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah. I said it to you the other day. I said, "Oh, my knees, my knees feel fifteen. You're upstairs, like what? The, what yeah, you exactly. Say? You said I feel like a fifty-year-old. It's like I am a fifty-year-old. Just shut up. <laughs> anyway, yeah, if we can go back a bit yeah. further, where did your interest? in comics come from? Like, what comics do you read as a kid? Um, I, well, my earliest, one of my earliest memories is my dad literally bringing home, back in 1972, so that'd be... The year I was born, 50 years ago. 51 years ago. So I was six. It's a good year. I'm not sure exactly when in 50, so I could have been six or seven, not sure. But um, he brought home The Mighty World of Marvel, number one, which was... The British reprint of Marvel comic books, the like official reprint, um, and of course, like all British comics, it was, it was an anthology. So they'd reprint like a third of a Spider-Man. It was Spider-Man, uh, Hulk, and the Fantastic Four. That was those are the three in 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 that, and they were reprint in black and white. A third of one of each of those. So so over the course of a month, you'd get one or one full monthly comic so they didn't really catch up well they were catching up slightly but not enough to make make it a problem for many many years so um yeah that was that was that and around about the same time as well i remember again my dad always getting petrol at this one petrol station in in town and um it had it was running promotion for whatever reason um and you could get a free Asterix book after filling up X number of times. And I remember getting the first Asterix book, which was, I seem to remember, which was Asterix in the big fight, uh, and pestering my dad to constantly go back to the same <laughs> so I could get the other four that they were, or the other three actually, it was four. Um, Asterix the big fight, Asterix the Gaul, Asterix the gladiator, and Asterix. 
There's another one. We're doing oh, so no, well. No, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to try. I'm going to. Normally, it's I not. It's go. not just asterisks and obelisks, is it? No. 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 I thought I'd have a go. There is no. I mean, it is obvious. Just to point out, there is no asterisks and obelisks. comic. I thought I'd have a go. No. Because in my head there was. In my head that exists. It obviously doesn't. There's only one asterisk book which is not asterisks and the or whatever. There's one called Obelix and Co. Which is probably my favourite Asterix book. Ironically, <laughs> it hasn't even got yeah, the title character just, in it. It's just—it's a much later one, but it's just a brilliant satire on business because Obelix goes into um, business selling menhirs, which is uh, and and how it sort of you know comically corrupts him and everyone else. <laughs> Suddenly, the whole village gets into selling menhirs, so it brings down the price of menhirs <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. Uh, it's just just a brilliantly written. Yeah, comic is just fun. I'm, I've always been, and I'm still am an Asterix fan. So uh, yeah, and you've still got them all at home. Got the whole set. Yeah, yeah. Because it's now written by. Because unfortunately now both the creators, Gossini and Udazo, they're both dead now. Um, and Udazo, Gossini died back in seventy eight, something like that, seventy seven, seventy eight. So he's he's long gone. But Udazo kept, wrote, and draw drew Asterix after that. Mm. Didn't, they weren't as good because obviously he's, you know, Gossini had that sort of just element of that satire, that element of just, yeah, the way he wrote was just really good. And um, and then it just got worse. <laughs> so he was writing it. And then, then unfortunately, Udazo died and then uh, it was taken over by two new guys. And the first were a bit, meh. But it's actually got better. Again, so yeah, yeah, I'm sort of kind of enjoying it once more. So uh, yeah, so I didn't from basically from a really early age, unbeknownst to myself, I was being fed American comics fifty percent. I was being fed French comics the other fifty. So that's probably why I've got this big love for Bond Desinet across mm. the channel. You see, you were talking about your sort of your you know, where your love of comics started. Yeah. Um, what about the illustration side of things? Was it just one day you thought you'd start having a go? Well, I, I, I think I was doodling before comics. Um, yeah, I was a child of the 70s, nothing else to do. <laughs> so, very true. Maybe uh, that's your man yeah. do a drawing. Yes, exactly. So, uh, and, and thankfully, my dad was a kind of a small business owner. Um, and one of the shops he had was just so coincidentally in, uh, uh, like a stationer's, news agent mm. stationer's. So I got ready supplies of biros and cheap, <laughs> you know, cheap drawing pads and whatever. But literally since I had those comics, I, I my art changed to drawing comics. So... And is that how it started? Was it drawing your own versions of Asterix and your own versions well, of... Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'd... I wish I'd have kept a few pages. I haven't literally... I haven't got any of this left, but I think I'd get an A3 sort of, yeah, drawing pad and literally start from uh, top left, work down to bottom right, which is very similar to comics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, but I, nothing had panels or anything, so it'd just be this sort of Jackson Pollock esque <laughs> mess just the of just stuff. Yeah, yeah I'd, there'd be a story in my head, but it would just just spread across this oh. page like this. So it probably wasn't until I was in my yeah early 
you know, 10 or 11 or something like that, where I'd start paneling stuff off. But I wanted, that's what I wanted to do up until I was about 18. I wanted to be a comic book mm. artist. And then I went on, did a fa- art foundation course. And then I went on to art college to do study film and video, primarily because there was nowhere where at the time to study comic books, not mm. in the UK anyway. Mm. Now there is. But um, so I, I did that and that was down in Maidstone. Um, I then I joined, I was in a band down in London as well. So moved to London to do the rock and roll thing for a bit <laughs> um, in London, but I didn't last for very long after after college finished because I was because there's nothing happening in Maidstone. No offense, Maidstone, sorry. <laughs> so I, I'd, I'd Have we got any listeners every... in Maidstone, Jack? Not anymore. We did have. <laughs> so I'd, I'd literally spend every every weekend getting on the train, direct train, straight into Waterloo, it was. Uh, and, you know, I think I was there every in, within an hour. Hmm. And back then, train travel was cheap. Remember those days? Oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. I don't remember those days at all. Uh, uh, cheap and efficient. And efficient was probably more exciting. You know, You're the, thinking of the time you spent in Japan again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's another. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, but um, yeah. So did that. So I kind of went off and did a few other things. Um, cause I, I do think looking at my own kids now, 18 and 21, um, it's a lot to ask of somebody of that age. What do you want to do for the rest of your yeah, life? Absolutely. And, and that's what, that's what is put upon kids of 18. You know, you, you go into university, what do you want to do? This is, this is you for the rest of your mm. life. Um, so, and I have kind of interesting, I have one laser focused child and one, well, the opposite. <laughs> so, yeah, well, my youngest is laser focused. He knows exactly what he wants to do. So he's much more like me. My young, my eldest is not. <laughs> but I, I understand That's because fine. because <laughs> the majority of kids are like my mm. eldest. It's rare to have someone that really knows what they want yeah, to absolutely. do. So, you know, that's you sort of go to university, and you, that that is kind of. Half, half, I'd say probably 80% of kids are going there just like, oh, I'll give that a go. Yeah, that that's looks the interesting at the moment. For the moment, yeah. that what are the likelihood they're going to be doing that as a job when they leave? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, so I I had the same kind of attitude almost when I left you know, art college and I did the band thing and all that. It's kind of just by the fact that it didn't work out meant that I had nothing else to do <laughs> and moved back to Shrewsbury. And um, I know it sounds crazy, but I, by the time I got back here, I, I just thought, huh, could give this comics thing another go. <laughs> that was as casual as that. And See what happens. And literally as soon as I put pen to paper again, because obviously it's free digital, uh, I... I realised that I should have been doing this all along. Mm. But I think everyone has to go on that journey. Yeah, yeah, of course. Before you get to that, you know, arrive back at... Even if you arrive back at the same thing, it. I think it's necessary to go through that process to really know what you want to do. And then 
it was like the scales falling from my eyes. I, I just, that was it. I just thought, this is it. Why did I even think that the other things were you know, <laughs> worth doing? But now looking with the benefit of hindsight, looking back, and of course they were worth yeah, doing. Because if you hadn't done them and you'd gone straight to that, then you might have been seeing, why am I doing this? There's other things out there. Exactly, so. yeah, yeah. I had that experience. I had a kind of pretty good experience in London. You know, it wasn't awful. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I did that. I did the, the film video thing, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And arrived back at the same point where I started. <laughs> but like you say, you, you, you came back to Shropshire. Yeah. Uh, because it's the greatest county in the world, as we all know. Um, of course. <laughs> but, you, but, but you do a lot in Shropshire, don't you? You're you, um, patron of The Hive. I am, yeah, um, yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us why The Hive. I mean, I I, I know The Hive. Um, well, tell, why not The Hive? Tell, well, yeah, <laughs> tell, tell, tell people who don't know The Hive why it's so brilliant. Well, The Hive's great because it's it's pretty much the only place in, in the area where... Uh, you know, you can go and, and experience various forms of art. It's it's a great drop-in centre. It's 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 there for the, shall we say, our underprivileged people that can go there and, you know, get involved with art. Um, and they put on great, well, what don't they do? They put on great shows. They put, yeah, there's a great space for music, theatre. Um, and really my... My my involvement in the hive is not necessarily um, specifically because it's the hive, but I do just think in times of austerity, in times of yeah, as we're going through now, the the first thing that gets hit is always the arts. Absolutely, and um, yeah, we 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 really do need to support the arts. If there's no art, there's no life. So it's as simple as that. So if anything I can do you know, to help out is, yeah, is great. And, you know, like I say, The Walking Dead has done all right, so I can afford to, you know, be a patron. I can afford to give them money. I can afford to sort of, you know, it's not just the hype. There's various other sort of small artistic things that I will contribute to because I do think it's really important. Um, and, um, yeah, it's as simple as that. So is that a key sort of part of of your life now is sort of championing the arts and and because because you do public speaking as well you do school visits things like that no not really <laughs> um, scrap that question I, I, I never i never asked that no, no, worries no. make a cut here no it is i'm not very good at the i'm very good at doing this sort of thing it's just rambling along you know as you probably noticed um but i'm, I'm quite happy to appear in front of people but i'm what i'm not very good at a kind of a form formula uh, uh, not a formula uh, um, what's the word um, where you have to basically stand on a podium and give out yeah. a speech yeah. I'm not very good at that uh, uh, well I'm probably quite lazy because I can't be bothered to write anything but <laughs> I, I don't mind doing this sort of stuff if I'm going to promote it in any way um, so no, I'm still in terms of work, I'm still really busy. I'm still, the majority of my time is still spent in my studio drawing. Um, so I don't really have that much time to promote the, I will if if I'm asked. Yeah. And, and my aim is, you know, I keep saying this, but it never seems to happen, is to cut back on, <laughs> on drawing. But they're going to love drawing. So, yeah. you know, I do it for the love of it. Um, I, I will get up. I'm, I've always been an early riser anyway in terms of, mornings 
I'm a morning person as opposed to an evening person. So um, in the weekends, I'll get up, well, same time as I get up in the week, you know, I, I, I don't like sleeping in. Mm. So I'll be up at, say, half past six. I don't understand people like you. <laughs> but I'll go and work for a couple of hours. It's not because it's kids have grown up. That's why. You well, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, but yeah, the rest of the house is nicely asleep. Uh, yeah, 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 I can. Um, it's not because well, occasionally it needs to get done, but I just uh, I can't think of anything better to do than get up early and do a spot of drawing. Mm. <laughs> I'm very lucky and privileged in terms of in terms <laughs> I mean, of that. You get, I'm you're not, a massive smile on your face, going, "This is my yeah. life." <laughs> well, it's funny actually because I bumped. Uh, it was um, you know the Loop Festival. Yeah, in, in that was uh, the weekend. Literally last. It Saturday. wasn't the weekend just gone because this might not go. That was recently. Yeah. <laughs> that was about two weeks ago. Good, good, good recovery. That was, okay. that was the other week. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I. I I, me and my wife, we, well, it was my sister-in-law's fiftieth, uh, so we went out for a meal. But that that ended quite early, and me and my me and my wife still had a bit of rock and roll in us. So we went. Well, my eldest son went to meet a friend, and they went along to the York to see a couple of bands. Yeah. Uh, so that's our rock club, yeah, our yeah. rock pub there. So it's quite heavy. Great pub, the Yorkshire House. Yeah, it's terrible for bands, though. The irony of it is awful. (laughs) Such a tiny space. Unless unless you're the first four people in the row watching the band, you can't see a bloody thing. So (laughs) I've got a friend of mine's band used to play in there all the time, and it was just like I was so glad I was with them because like no, you can't get in. No, no, exactly. Well, we've we've my uh, yeah. We've played there, and it's fine, Matt. All right, you're in the band then. (laughs) But. yeah, so we went along there, and I bumped into one person I didn't know, but it's kind of, it's, it's a bit embarrassing to say this, but it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's a bit like my tribe in terms of, because the, the, if there's a concentrated Walking Dead fans, <laughs> that's where they're going to be. That Good sort point. of people, yep. younger people into you so know, rock, metal, yeah. sort of, you know. <laughs> so a lot of people go, Oh my God, it's Charlie Adler. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't expect yes, it's me. Yeah. And I, one, one, one girl I, I met, right, I think she was collecting for the loop. And uh, she'd just go, Oh yeah, I saw you play years ago at somewhere. And she'd go, He's the happiest drummer I've ever seen. <laughs> and I thought, Yeah, that's kind of how I am at work happy you know <laughs> why why can't why should i be happy drumming because it's something i don't i'm not doing it because i have to i'm doing it because yeah. i choose to and it's exactly the same with comic books i'm doing it because i choose to do it now definitely now you know it was it was a it was a hobby turned you know professional at the beginning so i was always glad of being able to do it but i feel yeah i mean that 1% of people that whose hobby has turned into profession mm. and you can't complain about that ever and now i'm in an even better position whereas you know i'm not even doing it for the money yeah I, i'm literally just doing it for for, for, the enjoy, for, the, for <laughs> just doing it for the class so that's the quote what? for the video why the hell wouldn't i be happy you know and it was the same with the drumming. It's like, well, why the hell wouldn't I be enjoying myself? If I'm not enjoying myself, I wouldn't be in a bloody band, would I? <laughs> so, so if you are in a bit of a bad mood, say, you know, in the week at the weekend, 
you wouldn't then, you know, get your pencil out and your paper and stop. What, angrily draw? Yeah, angrily draw, <laughs> yeah. It's only when you're happy, is that right? <laughs> well, it makes me happy what I do. Uh, yeah, it's always disappointing, like I say, when life just gets in the way. Mm. Um, you know, it takes you... I am very much a person that, uh, to work good, well, um, everything else has to be cleared out of my you know, mind, so to speak. So if there is any uh, admin or family stuff or just anything to do with that, I, I feel the, I feel I have to get it done first before I get to so even though it feel even though it feels like comics take a back seat or drawing takes a back seat to everything else. It's mm. not. It's it's because I really want to focus on that. And the only way to focus is to clear the mind of everything else. So if there is any admin to do, I'll get that done first, get that over and done with. Um, again, it, it probably points to why I've been so efficient, brutally efficient. <laughs> but it's all to do with my psyche in terms of I have to clear the mind to work. So the only way to clear the mind is to get it all done, get it out of the way and get on with the work. So if if I don't get started, say, until, I don't know, arguably 11 o'clock in the morning is because I want to focus on what I'm doing and and I work better that way rather than because it's because it's quite often sometimes I, I will start working on on drawing and I know there's that thing that has to be done or it doesn't necessarily have to be done straight away but I know it has but to be done at some point yeah. and it's there going here I am here <laughs> and I have to do it then because I can't focus on work otherwise yeah. I have to get that thing done that's just how I am so final final question I've got a big big one, big one, one, final one ready. so ready. here we are for another half an hour <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. here we go Jack might have a final question well Jack might have a final question but my final question is the MCU Good thing or bad thing? Discuss. <laughs> here we, yeah, here we go. This is where the arguments and the comments starts right here. <laughs> it was a good thing to start with. Um, well, no, actually, in terms of comics, it's a bad thing. Well, that's what I was uh, because even though it's become the biggest thing globally, everyone knows who. I mean, who would have thought that? Yeah, you know, twenty years ago, that everyone would know who. Well, not not even someone like Shang Chi, but who would have known? Or Guardians of the Guardians Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah, exactly. But yeah. who would have even known who Iron Man was? Hmm. Um, so, in in terms of for Marvel, it's been brilliant. <laughs> uh, but in terms of industry wide, I think it's been bad because everyone that doesn't really know and, and we're talking about again uk america mm. so we're talking about non-comics centric yep. countries um everyone now thinks that comics are marvel yes that's the problem yeah. um i think it's affected sales uh for the worse because it's not brought people into comic shops again mm. um because or it has brought people into comic shops but all they're buying is um, Marvel stuff. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. When I was working on the X-Files, um, when I'd finished working on the X-Files, I thought my sort of star had, it was in the ascendancy because it, I'd worked on a very popular comic book, which was selling loads 
Um, but then I realized I almost had to go back to the beginning again in terms of my career because I, in effect, it felt like to the comics industry, it felt that I'd just taken a two-year hiatus because the X-Files was only bought by X... Uh, well, there was a slight crossover, but mainly it was only bought by X-Files fans. Yeah. So, of course, so the comics industry are taking a hiatus. Um, and, of course, once the book finished, or, well, actually, I left, so the book carried on for a bit longer, but uh, I was who I was Charlie Adlard who, again? I've gone back to that point. Um, so I think it's very similar to Marvel now, the MCU. Yeah, everyone knows who Iron Man is, but it's like, what about this comic? What's what's yeah. that? Yeah, it yeah. hasn't brought people in. Um, so that's a real shame. And uh, quite often it tends to be things that have come out and, should we say, have been successful on comic book properties. It's not sold on the fact that, yeah, Walking Dead is a prime example um, if I'd say, if I'm, I'd say one in 10 people I'll meet who've heard of The Walking Dead will know it was a comic book before it was a yeah, TV yeah. show. I mean, the majority of people just think it's just a TV, TV show. show. Even though it bloody well says right at the start. <laughs> right there. Yeah. So literally the last thing that appears before the first thing. Big titles yeah. based on a comic book by, you know, just goes to show people don't look at the credits. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but it, 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 unfortunately, the medium just takes over something like that and... You know, it's not their fault. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's the medium's fault because, especially with the where where The Walking Dead was concerned, everyone was fan of the comic books to begin with. And you know, for the first few seasons, it really followed the yeah, book yeah. precisely. And well, it still did follow the stories um, right up until the end. Obviously, they had to diverse because of the change of characters, etc. But um, yeah, it, it. So you know, they tried as much as they could to always say don't forget the comic you know but at the end of the day it's it's down to joe public and if they choose to ignore that yeah (laughs) choose to ignore that bit and mcu has become that and now now we're into what is it uh uh phase four phase are we in or is four? it even phase five, five? Phase christ five? i don't know i don't know all i, the I ain't even kept up with that yeah. <laughs> like, yeah there I, hasn't <laughs> been a marvel movie now because my youngest my 18 year old is really into mm. it still so we still go to the cinema to see everything together which is nice yeah and it gives me an excuse to go and see it but it's been a long time since i've come out of a marvel gone. movie and just thought my god that yeah. was really good yeah, yeah. they've all kind of mel- melding into one now yeah. um i mean okay admittedly the last marvel film i did see which was spider-man spider-verse was phenomenal but that's not actually a Marvel it's a so, it's in association yeah. with <laughs> and it's animated but they all say the best Fantastic Four movie was The Incredibles. So, yeah, good point. <laughs> infinitely better than the two movies. The, 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 yeah, the three the, the, movies, actually, yeah, which were yeah, all god-awful. Yeah, um. all of them universally very, very, especially the last one, yeah. very, very bad. So you just think, why is it with animation they can get it so right? Yeah, yeah. Um, where it's in live action quite often they I haven't don't. seen the second Spider-Verse Spider- oh, film, but yeah, the, the first one's incredible. Yeah. So it's just being 
your eyes get literally tired from the invention of mm. the screen. I mean, it is like an art movie for two hours. Uh, in terms of design, you just look at it, just going. Oh Maybe God, that's the, the future. Colors are. Maybe the future is to keep them animated, and then well, it, you guys. Actually, <laughs> it's animation is really exciting now because there's that. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I just, I've just read a review of it. Namoa, Namoa, or something on Netflix. It was, oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, the, the look of that looks really mm. interesting because it's that sort of flat two D. It's so nice to get, because again, I was thinking with animation, we, we, it's got really boring in terms of now everything is CGI, yeah, everything yeah, is that yeah. same look uh, over and over again, which is pretty much what's happened with Marvel. Mm. It's the same look over and over again. And at some point, people are really, really going to lose interest. So you need something like Spider-Man to come along and in and in enliven animation. And then something like Namoa. I think that's what it is in the moment. I think that's right. Yeah, I'm going to go there now. Comes along, and you think, "Oh right," or or um, what's the other one? Uh, I forgot. Was it the 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 uh, a couple of years ago? Uh, oh, anyway, oh god, here we go. <laughs> I'm 56. Give me a break. No, I'm with you. My, um, the 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 family one where the uh, computers revolt against them, and it was it was on a streaming service. Um, it's really good. Again, again, style-wise, it was really good. Um, oh. Anyway, oh god, we'll find it for post. We'll find it post. We'll scrape past it, and then we'll add it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll scrape past. We'll scrape past. Oh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Got it. Right. Yes. That was really okay. good. That was really good Not as well. Yes. Yeah. So. As soon as people start going, oh, we can be successful with this. We can be. Of course, the problem is with anything like that is now there's going to be a glut of crazy sort of, you know, styled animations yeah, that yeah. are, you, you do just want to go, just do it as it, as you think it should look, mm. not, oh, this will make money because it's in, it's done like this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Marvel, bless them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I sometimes I have to kick myself because you you who'd have thought I'd ever see Kang the Conqueror? Perhaps that's all we will see of Kang the Conqueror. <laughs> and let's not let, let's, let's not go get into that. that. I saw the still image let's, of that. Let's oh, just let's just skirt over that. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought we'd ever see Kang the Conqueror? You know this crazy. Yeah, if you read the comic books, this crazy mm. purple-headed, you know, guy in flared sleeves. Yeah, with with buy high purple boots, et cetera, et cetera, is suddenly going to be, you know, numero uno villain in the Marvel universe. Um, I'm just waiting for bloody Doctor Doom, the best villain of them all. I know. They haven't even, the MCU haven't even done that. That's phase 10. Yeah, Um, it's phase 20. I'm a bit worried now that because things are not as good Mm. in the house of Marvel, you know, the... Yeah, all the build-up for the Fantastic Four, which has already been done badly twice. Well, I mean... Uh, and then, like you say, things have started going... Well, if yeah, things yeah. are slightly dipping, yeah. will we even get to a Fantastic mm. Four movie mm. all of a sudden? And then you just think, oh, you know, that's, that's for me, the Fantastic Four when I was growing up, yeah, when I first read Mighty World of Marvel number one, like I say, the three 
Hulk, Spider-Man, the Hulk, Fantastic Four. The one that stood out for me personally was Fantastic yeah, Four because I was always a Spider-Man guy. Yeah, well, you see, as a kid, I love sci-fi. Batman. You see, I love sci-fi. You <laughs> should. <laughs> I think I'd already seen the odd Ray Harryhausen movie and yeah. all that sort okay. of stuff. So, of course, yeah, yeah, the yeah. first, the first, literally, fight the Mole Man, and he's got all these monsters, yeah, these yeah. amazing Jack Kirby-designed monsters, and you just think that visually for a six, seven-year-old mm. really appealed to me. So I've always had this kind of love of Fantastic Four more than yeah, any other comic book property. So, you know, to have it done so badly mm. um, three, three times, times now, <laughs> you know, you do just think, oh, there really needs to be someone that really understands yeah. what they are. And I'm more worried now because of how complex the Marvel universe yeah, exactly. is. It's not like they they're can... not going to just do it as a standalone. No. Here we go. This is the FF. This is the classic story of the FF. They're going to do some awful multiverse ah, think... integrated yeah. thing where it just becomes. I remember the. Oh God, you got me off on one now. <laughs> I remember. I told you. I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I saw the Sam Raimi Spider, well, actually, th three great examples. The original Superman, uh, Tim Burton's Batman, yep. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, they all felt like event movies. Mm -hmm. you, you'd never seen anything like it. Yep. It was a proper experience going to the cinema to see this. It was like the build, especially the build up to Batman. Yeah, I remember yeah. being so excited. As a, what was it? Eight, um, was it 89? First Batman, I think. Yeah. So I'd have been 20, whatever. Um, and... So excited to see that film, you know, and the and the Danny Elfman movie kicking in as the camera yeah, yeah. pans do the bat logo and oh, you know, <laughs> everything about that film at the time was amazing. Yeah, just an event. And the same with the first Spider-Man, because first it was yeah. the first time to see it done really well and the special effects done properly. Yeah, well, you know, it's not just a guy lying on the floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Upside down, yeah, like the Batman in the yeah, sisters yeah. Like going up the side <laughs> of the building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, to see all those, you know, and, and the feeling I remember when Tobey Maguire works, walks away at the end of um, uh, the, the movie and he says, great power comes with great responsibility. I am Spider-Man and the, the hair yeah, standing up my arms. <laughs> and when they, by the time they got around to the, um, uh, the new ones, the homecoming ones, you know, as good as they are, I watched the first one and they're all kind of, Fine. <laughs> you come out and just go, yeah. uh, it just doesn't feel like an event, mm. probably because it's all part of this bigger universe. Yeah. It just feels like, oh, yeah, another little key in the peg mm. of this great Marvel universe. And it didn't feel, no matter how much money it costs, it's probably a $200 million movie. Everything just felt like a bit, yeah, um, just part of something else. And it didn't feel like you were watching this thing. thing yeah, yeah. It should have been even, you know, the last spider. Oh, well, the last one. Well, again, the last one was fine, but it just felt uh, just all done for commerciality now. Oh, let's get all the spider yeah, back in it. Sp spoiler alert. Make us more money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, if you don't know, it's your own fault. Yeah, it was, told, it was told pretty well, but it just all felt a bit, you know, this, yeah, this whole multiverse thing is just, this, I think this is the thing that's going to implode. The, the whole thing now. People are just going to get fed up with this overly complicated story now. It's it, got like the comics. That's, that's the reason the comics failed yeah. in the end, was you could not um, 
as a new reader, you could not engage with anything you anymore. You couldn't just dip in and go, You couldn't okay, just I'll dip start, in yeah. and buy an issue and go, oh, I get this, because you know there's about 200 other issues. Yeah. Uh, you get all the little footnotes, those, don't you, as seen in yeah, a different comic six months ago. If you hadn't read that before, <clears throat> yeah. you, you're just on a hiding to nothing. And that's the mainstay of the American industry. And they're just constantly sucking the life out of it because the the people that read it are getting less and less and less. They're people of my age and older who at least remember yep. various bits. And it's the same with the movies now. You know, my, my youngest, Cal, he knows more about um, uh, the MCU comic universe than I ever will, uh, which is crazy to think, yeah, I've been reading comics since yeah, I was yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, he's just watched all the movies yeah. and he knows all these characters so much. And he's, Looked on, he looks obviously on YouTube, of course, and yeah, yeah, yeah. social media, and gets all the the extra information about the characters. Mm. I'm still pretty good on the behind the scenes stuff, the directors <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But he's, you know, the characters are everything to him. But even he's sort of starting to. We're both coming. He's quite, quite. I mean, he's 18 now, but he's quite, quite a good critical. Um, Head on, yeah. So, so it we'll just, both, doesn't just consume it for the sake. He of won't it. come out of every film and go, "Oh, it's amazing." You know, we're going, "Yeah, it's all right." You know, <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, when when the year that was all right ends up being that was crap, you know, yeah. because the year that's all right, you're you're coming. The fourth four some, film. We're looking at you. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> well, they always remember. <laughs> Judge the the Stallone Judge the Dredd. Stallone, yeah. Said, right. Yeah. Um, whoa, the level of excitement for that, and we. we there was a, they put on a special comic book showing for comic creators uh, in the Odeon in Leicester Square for that. So the biggest cinema in Leicester Square. And we all, you know, I came down for it. We all dutifully traipsed in. And I went with a really good friend of mine. We sat there and he was a comic book. He was in the comics industry at the time as well. And we sat there watching this movie and it, it opened great. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, anyway, I remember coming out of the cinema and... Um, First, well, I turned to my friend Paul and we both went, that was all right. Yeah, that was all right, you know. And by the time we got to the tube, the, yeah, that was all right, it turned into, that was bloody awful. Because <laughs> yeah. that's your, always your first reaction yeah. to any, any yeah. movie. It's like, yeah, and then, then you start thinking about it and go, oh, actually, yeah. you know. That was bad, that was yeah, bad. That yeah, was yeah, yeah. And I, I do remember also walking past, past a writer called Alan Grant who who – Together with John Wagner, who was the creator of Judge Dredd or co-creator of Judge Dredd, he'd written probably more Judge Dredd stories than than John, as many as John. Um, and they were good friends. They're both Scottish and blah, 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 blah. And um, I do remember walking past Alan and I could hear him just absolutely slagging the movie off post. <laughs> and I was thinking, well, it's a bit harsh at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there again, I think, well, he's closely you know, yeah, yeah, to yeah. the film and yeah, he knows more about dread than anyone and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but yeah, by the time we got to the tube, we were <laughs> of equal opinion. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, thank God for the second one as well. I, I was like, so. I've, you know, I've still not seen the Carl Urban one. No, it's yeah. good. Hey, it's great. I that one. Well, yeah. that was originally going to be a trilogy. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah. If it had done well, they would have done um, that and then they would have done um, The Cursed Earth as the second one and then they'd have gone full pelt into The Dark Judges for the third, oh, wow. which would have been something else. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, it just didn't do very well. And um, yeah, yeah, which is a crying shame because it is as good as a Dread movie mm. as 
it could possibly be, you know, for its time. But um, hey ho, now it's worth seeing. It is worth seeing. It is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you should watch yeah. it. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>